Welcome everybody to the first episode of the Blue View podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in today because, you know, you guys have just been so supportive and it's been amazing the response we got when we decided to launch this. So, you know, whether you're listening on YouTube or, or Spotify, it means so much because it means you're joining us on our journey. And yeah, as I've said 10 times already, so grateful, so thankful for that. And I say we because I'm very happy to be joined by my co-host and very good friend and well-known Chelsea account. CFC Dubois. Hello, everyone. Uh, just to reiterate what Pi said, basically, you know, we're really thankful for all of you and all of your support uh, when we said that we were going to start this podcast. I think it's something we were thinking about for a while and we've enjoyed pe- uh, featuring on other po- Chelsea podcasts. So um, it's kind of a no brainer, really. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just really excited to start this journey and, you know, we're ho- we hope that it will be, be successful. Today, our first guest is going to be a very, very well-respected account on Chelsea Twitter. It's going to be Frank Khalid. He's very, very good, obviously, at everything he does. A hugely respected account, and we're so glad to have him on. Very, very good opinions as well. So, yeah, I mean, this guy's amazing. We can't wait to have him on. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the episode today with him. Yeah, and uh, what we'll do at the end, we'll ask Frank to sort of drop all his socials and tell us a bit more about himself. So that way, you know, you guys can follow socials, etc. Um, but we'll get to that bit at the end. Guys, so basically what we're going to be doing today is sort of like a mini match review over the next 30 to 40 minutes. Going to get a lot of opinions flowing. I've got some topics to discuss um, with Frank as well being our guest. He will get a lot of say on this. And um, yeah, so basically I'm just going to start off. The first one, we're, first topic we're going to talk about is Hakim Ziyech. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I thought he played amazing today. Even in the first half, I thought, you know, when we weren't playing so well, he was one of the ones sort of dictating the play. He sort of looked our most lively attacker for me. You know, he put a, a good ball into Havertz at the end of the half. Um, but even from the start, I just thought he was lively. He was good on the ball. He was interchanging well with the other attackers. And yeah, for me, our best player today, man of the match. So I'm going to start off with Frank as he has a guest. What do you think about Zich's performance today in general? I think he played really well. It's good to see that he's got a bit of minutes underneath his belt. Um, a couple of times he's seen him, didn't look quite right, looked like he was a bit uh, lacking match fitness. But today, I think we saw a bit of the real Hakim that when we know what he can do. I'm glad he got the goal, took it really well. Um, and yeah, he was uh, very impressive. Uh, I thought it was all right first half, like you said. In the second half, he really sort of came to, came to the front and... Uh, Scored his goal and looked really good, as, as most of the players did in the second half. But he was our man of the match for me, Hakeem Zurich. And I'm really looking forward to him this season. I think he is going to really make a big difference to this team and add a bit of class to it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and just to mention as well, he's got uh, 14 goals, slashes, 14 goals and assists in 18 Champions League um, games. So that is just, again, that's brilliant. He's someone who is going to deliver in the big, in the big competitions. Um, not just the Champions League, you know, you've got the cup competitions that we need to win as well. So, um, yeah, that's brilliant. And we're going to give a chance to CFC Dubois to talk now. So, what do you think mate, about that Zich performance? Yeah, look, again, I agree with both of you and what you sort of alluded to there. I think, you know, especially Zich and his UCL pedigree, I think that's helped massively. Um, and he looked different class today, I think, out of our attackers. He was the one that, you know, was the most direct. He was creating chances and he was sort of, I guess, in a way, you know, our biggest threat. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, he deserved his goal. Um, and, you know, I think 
comparatively towards uh, with other attackers, you know, he, he seemed to be the one trying to elevate their game as well. So, yeah, all in all, I think it was a really positive night for Ziyech. And I think, you know, every Chelsea fan wants this to be the basis where you can push off and now be a regular starter without any injury concerns, all that behind him now. So looking forward to see what he can do. Yeah, that's the thing as well. You know, you mentioned injuries. Obviously, he has been suffering the, the first few weeks of his career. But let's hope now this is the game that he builds off. You know, you see so often with, with players and especially new signings, they have to have that game where they build off and that one sort of standout game. I remember that sort of with Pulisic last year. You know, he wasn't doing too well at the start, but he had that Burnley game. And it, after that, I mean, he, he was just brilliant, you know. Um, yeah, so hopefully that's the same with Ziyech. He just continues on with us now and, and just does amazing. So, yeah, I think that's well wrapped up there about Ziyech. So, another area I wanted to discuss really was sort of the, the defence today. I thought we was a bit shaky in the first half, um, you know, and sort of the for, sort of first 10 to 15 minutes of the second half. Um, so, I want to talk about Thiago Silva now. In our last two games, we've kept clean sheets before Krasnodar, but Thiago Silva was like integral in them, especially in Manchester United. I mean, he was brilliant, like literally. Uh, they were doing like Sky, BT Sports were doing an analysis before the game and, you know, they were showing some of his clips sort of where he was instructing players to go, some of the tackles he was putting in, his positioning. So I think we need to discuss about Silva uh, today. Did we miss him, guys? So I'm going to start off with Frank Carly because personally, I feel, feel like we did, especially in that first half. We was all over the place. What do you think? I agree with you. I think we did uh, miss his organisation at the back. Um, I understand why he was rested because obviously this game is obviously not... This should have been a game we were, we did win and we should have won it. It was on paper. We should have won it quite easily. So, so I understand why he's rested. But yeah, Silver does bring a bit of composure to the back. Um, to be fair to the defenders there, I suppose um, Rudica is, is lacking match fitness again. So maybe that's maybe he needs time to get himself um, into oh yeah, match fitness. But it was kind of nervy. I mean, you're right. Um, especially the beginning of the second half, it looked like we could concede quite easily. They hit the bar, um, which is always uh, is not is a bad sign that that defence is not is, is struggling a little bit, but. You know, in the end, we got the result we wanted and I think uh, the clean sheet will give them confidence and hopefully they go on to the next match and, and do better. But yeah, I feel a lot better having Thiago Silva in that back line than Rudiger at this present moment. But, you know, things do change. Anything can happen. Injuries can happen. You just have to look at Liverpool, how many injuries they've got at the moment in the defence, in central defence. So it's probably important that all our central defenders get some sort of uh, minutes underneath their belt. And that's why I was a bit disappointed that... Um, uh, uh, Tomori didn't get a chance today. You know, it would have been good for him to get a few minutes as well under his belt. But, um, yeah, I mean, Thiago Silva, for me, I prefer him at the back. Exactly what you said. I agree with literally all of that. And it's funny that you mentioned Rudiger as well. Something that I guess we could touch upon was Rudiger starting over Tomori. Now, I was a little bit shocked by that. I'm not going to lie. I feel like, I don't know whether it's... I don't know what it is, but he just he sort of chucked Rudiger back in. Um, you know, he's not been great for the last sort of few months, especially under Lampard. You know, he's such an inconsistent player for me. He's definitely not one of my favourites. I, personally, I'd rather have Tamori in there. I just would. You know, I don't like the fact that Rudiger is taking minutes away from a good young prospect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, really. Um, Tamori not on the starting eleven over Rudiger. 
very, very shocked by that. What do you think, Dubois, about about that decision from Frank Lampard? Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's one that baffled me a bit as well. I mean, Rudiger, you know, it was rumored that he was close to leaving in January, in the summer window just went by, and I think, you know, when you compare that to Tamori, who you know was willing to fight for his place, and um, you know, he I think he rejected a couple of moves away. I think obviously Tamori, he's shown glimpses as well. It's not just based on you know his determination to stay at the club. I think. You know, he's been given a few cameos here and there. Um, and, you know, we've seen the Tamori that we all know and he's looked solid. Um, he looks like a composed centre-back that, you know, he can really grow under, you know, especially under the wing of someone like Thiago Silva. So for him not to be given a given game time in, you know, a game like today where, you know, it's Krasnodar, a game we expect to win. Um, but, you know, Lampard's gone with Rudy. It's, it's a bit of a strange one, um, especially because we know sort of how defensive like liability can be at times really good at the back so I think Tamori can feel hard done by um with the decision not to be played today I think he he's gonna he's got a bright future at Chelsea but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he well I don't blame him either if he wants to look for a move away either in January you know if he's hasn't got the game time he probably deserves yeah, that's that's an interesting point about January. We'll we'll see what happens when that sort of time frame comes around. Um, the most disappointing thing for me, really, is that Tamori actually decided to stay and fight for his place, and you know he he, he sort of reject, rejected that West Ham move from what we understand. So, you know, I'm very impressed with his attitude that he wanted to fight at Chelsea. But you know, in games like today, I mean, yes, we did struggle in the first half, but overall, you know, it was a very very simple result to get. You know, I don't think. I don't think Tamori would have done any worse than Rudiger. In fact, I think he would have done a lot better just because of his pure determination to succeed for Chelsea. You know, and also his defensive qualities. You know, it's not just about determination and passion and all that. It's about his actual qualities. You know, as a defender, he's very quick. He's strong. He's good one v one defensively as well. He's good in the tackle. I mean, he really does have all the attributes you need um, as a defender. The only thing I could probably knock against Tamori is probably his, you know sometimes he feel a little bit shaky on the ball like Zuma. I'm not sure whether that's played into Frank Lampard's mind a little bit, sort of, you know, when choosing the lineup today, you've got Rudiger, who is notoriously quite good on the ball. And then you've got like Zuma, who's not. So maybe playing Tamori and Zuma, who are both quite shaky on the ball, isn't the best thing to do. You could flip it that way if you're thinking about if you're like trying to be Frank Lampard. But then again, Tamori and Zuma have showed like numerous times that they can play together. So you know, I think I feel like we may be being a little bit picky, but it's just trying to see both both points of view, really trying to you know be balanced and fair. You got to try and think from Lampard's perspective as well. And obviously, speaking about Lampard, he did have those positive talks with with Antonio Rudiger as well in the week, as we learned out from Matt Law. So again, another very very interesting um, point to take going forward for Tamori. You know, is he going to be dropped regularly? Well, not dropped because he he already is dropped, but you know basically not playing as much, not even getting a chance. It's going to be like, it's, it's a very, very interesting time for him, I think, because Silva's are nailed on and then you've got Zuma who's pretty much nailed on. So it's sort of, you know, and let's not forget Christensen as well. It's sort of Rudiger, Christensen, Tamori. So I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to be happy, sort of, unless it's Silva and Zuma. I feel like between those other three, we're never going to be happy because you can, pretty much say it, negatives about all of them. But then you can say positives about all of them. So, guys, we really can't win on the centre-back um, debate, really, between those three, Christensen, Zuma and Tamori. Let us know your thoughts down below if you are watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, then make sure to DM us and tell us what you think about the centre-back 
um, sort of pairing should be going forward. And if you think it's Silver and Zuma, then who should be the third option to come in when either of those aren't playing? So I feel like that's enough about the centre-backs now and the defence today. Uh, let's move on to something more positive. So Edward Mendy, man, this guy has been just amazing, in my opinion, since he's joined. £22.5 million, very, very cheap, scouted by Petr Cech. He's got those long arms. He's very, very good at saves. You know, like you can those diving saves, especially Man U one against Rashford was incredible. He's got those long arms, you know. He's just brilliant. He really, really is good. His positioning is miles better than Kepa. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to sort of get your opinions on Edouard Mendy and how you think he's done, how you think he's going to be going forward. I'm very, very positive about this, this goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I've been a notorious criticiser of, of Kepa for right and wrong reasons. You know, I probably do admit I didn't give him enough time before, but now I feel like I've been proven right. He's, he's very, very bad. But yeah, guys, let's start on Mendy. Dubois, what do you think about Mendy overall, how his future lies at Chelsea? Um, and one question I'm going to throw at both you and Frank, we'll start with you, Dubois. Do you want another goalkeeper next summer? Do you want a Donnarumma or do you want to keep Mendy if he does good enough as a starting option? What do you think? Let's go with Dubois first. Um, with Mendy, I think, you know, he started really well. He settled in well, it seems, in the games that he has played. He's keeping clean sheets. I think Spurs, I'm not sure about the only game that he conceded, but he looks to be someone that, you know, he's brought calmness to the defence. He's someone that you can tell there's a massive difference in the way Chelsea defend when they have, like when we have Mendy, um, rather than when we have Kepa. I think with Kepa, there's always that fear that he's going to make a mistake and he has proven to do that and that's probably why so yeah with Mendy he looks to be promising I mean he's 28 for which for a goalkeeper you know he's not in his prime so there's there's definitely a chance that he can be a long-term goalkeeper so bring moving on to this question you asked I think it's a tough one because if Mendy continues to perform like he has already and he continues to elevate his game I'm not sure there's a need to spend on a goalkeeper because obviously goalkeepers tend to last longer in their careers and, you know, Mendy's signs, early signs are really positive. So it might be a position that we don't need to spend on. So I'm not entirely, I'm not going to jump the gun and say that we need to spend big on a goalkeeper, you know, because Mendy's not the biggest name. Um, so it's one that I think we'll have to wait and to see how it plays out and then decide next season. But, you know, the signs at the moment are really positive. And if they continue to be like this, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think there'll be a need to spend on, say, an Oblak. But um, I'm quite interested to see what Frank has to say about this. Um, I actually agree with yourself, actually. I, I think there's no need to buy another goalkeeper. I actually, you know, what Mendy has brought to the team is composure, calm defence. Um, and there's a reason why he's getting so many clean sheets. It's because you're right, his positioning is a lot better than our previous goalkeepers. I hate criticising any goalkeeper or any player of ours. But yeah, but Kepa is definitely has the lack of confidence at the moment. He had a very good first season, but the last well, last season wasn't great for him, and this season it's not been great for him. And I think it's lack of confidence with him. I I wouldn't buy another goalkeeper. I'll have Mendy as number one and Kepa as number two. And um, I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's he, he's made he made good saves in the Man United game, which got us the, our, our um, clean sheet. And um, just everything about him. I mean, his positioning, uh, free kicks, I feel more confident now. Uh, where whenever Kipper was in there, it felt like every 
free kick was going in, every long shot was going in. But with Mendy, you know, he, he gives me confidence. And if he gives me confidence, he gives the defence confidence. He gives everyone confidence. And, and if you're going to win trophies, you need a confident goalkeeper. And Mendy, for me, so far in the four games, uh, I don't know how many games he's played, five games he's played, you know, he's looked really, really good. Um, the goal he conceded against Spurs, there wasn't much he can do about that, unfortunately. That was an error, obviously defensive error that led to that goal. But for me, I'll stick with Mendy. And, and you know, there's no guarantee that you spend another 100 million on, on, on an oblique that's going to solve your problems, is it? And um, for me, we stick with the goalkeeper. And if Peter Cech believes in him, I believe in him. And it looks like, so far, he is a good goalkeeper. I mean, I haven't seen many weaknesses. He made a Error the other day, obviously against Man United, where he slightly miskicked it back, it went off, but luckily he, he, you know, he wasn't punished for that. But besides that, he looks, he looks very confident at this early stage. Yeah, yeah, I think you made a lot of good points there, especially with the Petacek one. You said if Petacek believes in him, then I believe in him. Now I used to be sort of against that take when people told me like oh, we should sign Ben Chilwell because Ashley Cole loves him and breaks him. I was sort of against that, but I've got to admit, I mean, I've been pretty proven wrong so far. It looks like Ashley Cole was right. Um, who would have thought, you know, me being my annoying self and being against silence? But, but yeah, honestly, I mean, with Mendy, I'm just so confident. And I think he's confident as well. You mentioned Kepa doesn't have confidence. That's what Mendy has. Like, that's what you need in the, in the goalkeeper. It's probably like one of the most important positions, to be honest, on the field. And I just think he's got such a good mentality. I don't know if you guys have read stories um, about his upbringing and stuff like that. But, you know, he's been unemployed in his career and he's gone through, like, different French divisions and stuff like that. And now he's got this chance at Chelsea and he's taking it. Fair play to him. Um, brilliant, honestly. Very, very happy with Mendy. So, yeah, that's going to be that on Mendy. And let me know again what your thoughts are down below on Mendy. Feel free to DM us or whatever. We'll happily respond. But now, anyway, this is a big one. Now, today, Frank Lampard sort of changed the formation, um, you know, around, I'm not sure what time it was. I think it was around 60th or 70th minute mark. But we started with a 40 3-1 with pivot of Jorginho and Kovacic, or Jovacic, as a lot of Chelsea fans like to say. Um, and, you know, that's like a whole different debate in itself. Are they good enough to play in a pivot? Do they leave too much space? I could say yes, they did from, t from today, but... Uh, you know, overall, would you guys prefer 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 going forward? Because today, I mean, when we brought on those subs, we changed to a 4-3-3. We was much more attacking. We scored the goals and it just looked over, overall a lot better. Now, I have a, quite a lot to say on this, obviously, 4-3-3, but I'll let you guys speak first. So, let's go with Dubois first. Um, so, again, a couple of questions, as I said. 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1? Or and, obviously, what was your thoughts on it today? Be successful. Uh, it's a good question. Um, I think, especially with the way we started in the four-two-three-one, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I don't think many people were. We didn't look very comfortable. Players weren't, you know, it just wasn't linking up well, and we weren't looking very threatening to a Krasnodar team who, you know, I think they're mid-table in the Russian league. So it wasn't the best. So as soon as we switched, obviously, it changed. Um, we started, you know being more threatening and it is something that I think Frank's tried last season in a with a lone DM and two eights which I'm not sure worked that well last season so I was a bit surprised that it sort of 
you know, clicked today um, when he when he changed to it. Um, but what we did see, I think, was a complete transformation. We we sort of looked more threatening on the attack. I was happy to see Mason Mount come on in his actual position rather than on the wing. Um, I thought Pulisic was really direct, like he always is, and he made a difference. Um, so yeah, I think it's a hard one because whether we should use it long term is another issue. I think another problem in itself because. I'm not sure we've had a large enough sample size of having a lone DM and two eights in order to say that, yeah, this is something we need to stick with long term. Like, yes, it worked today. So I'm sure, you know, he'll try it again. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to be careful and, you know, not hedge our bets and say, this is the one we're going to stick with. I think one thing about Lampard that's good is that he's quite flexible. He won't, you know, he's not stubborn like Sari was with the same formation. So I think it's something we should definitely test and, you know, see how it goes. Because obviously it made a big difference today, so I have no doubts that you know he'll go with it again. But I'm not sure whether it's something we're going to stick with. So that's you know, answering that question. And then you know if we are going to use it, it's tough because today we obviously went with a lone DM and two eight. So I think it was Kante, Mount, and Havertz. But in a four three three, I'm still not convinced that a lone DM is the way forward. Um, so if I was to pick a midfield three um, in the four three three, I think. You know, for me, it would be Kovacic. Oh, it's a tough one, actually, like, thinking about it, because Kante is hard to drop in a fourth. I'd probably go Kovacic, Kante and Havertz in a 4-3-3. That, it's really tough for me to even come to that conclusion. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, Kovacic's ball progression, Kante, you know, and his defensive abilities coupled with Havertz, his attacking threat, I think, for me, would be the best way to forward in a 4-3-3. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. A lot of what you said then, um, you know, it's, it's a very interesting discussion. So, I mean, I'll give my opinion in a minute, but let's move on to Frank. What do you think about the 4-3-3 for now and also long term? I'm a big fan of 4-3-3 and I would like just to start off with that. And obviously, depending on how the game goes and you change the system and all, but he needs to stick to one system, you know, one system that he's, the team is confident with. And then obviously you can change it for particular teams. If you're playing against a particular team, you want to change that system, you change it. But he needs to stick with one. And I prefer the 4 3 3. And I agree with the boy there that I think that Kovacic, Kante, and Habits are my middle three as well. I think they complement each other. Um, and obviously with the front three <laughs> speak for themselves Pulisic, Zewick, and Werner up for the front three. Um, yeah, 4 3 3 for me is the way forward. And uh, I think we have to be positive. I think defence is looking after itself. We've got Silver in defence. We've got Mendy there. You know, Chilwell's doing very well down there. We have to believe in the team and we have to be tech-minded. We can't just stick back and, and hope to get results. I think we need to be positive. We need to do what Liverpool do, which is basically attack. And this is probably our, our best attack in formation, as far as I can see. And um, I would like us to start, you know, start with this and, and, and just see how we get on with a few matches rather than change. You know, change. It seems to be changing one system after another, different matches, and it's just, players are not settled. They need to settle on a system. And to me, 4-3-3 today, we did well when we changed to 4-3-3, and, and I would stick with that, personally. Yeah, I think, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you said about Lampard being sort of changing things all the time. Dubois said he's flexible, but I almost, in my personal thing, opinion think he's like almost too flexible as you say he changes stuff whether it be like pairings or formation or yeah or like different winger choices or you know different left back right back you know 
I just feel like we need to get something settled and that's really what we've not had now for like a year since he's taken over. It's just sort of been constantly changing things about and you know, as a fan that's very, very annoying, you know. Unless we've got a world class squad like Man City, I mean, you shouldn't really do that, especially when Lampard's like not even like I mean he's he's got some experience but he's not an elite tactical manager that you can sort of say all oh, right yeah today we're going to go with this and we're going to play world class because we don't you know or another day we're going to go and play this and that will you know nothing is ever guaranteed to work out with Lampard so I think if he can set on sort of one system then that would be amazing because it would just give us more fluidity if it is the 4-3-3 or if it's 4-2-3-1 then we've got better defensive structure so you know it, it's hard. It is hard as a manager for him. I, I can totally understand why he changes it all the times. You know, even though we have spent loads of money, guys, remember this may not be Lampard's full squad. You know, he does want a Declan Rice still. Um, so I know that from you know being just in, informed and asking about and stuff. I know he does still want Declan Rice, and I would imagine that is to play four three three because you know I, I don't know. Even though Rice plays sort of next to someone, I just feel like he he will play four three three with like a Rice. Mount Havertz, that's sort of what I'm personally seeing, um, which will be interesting. I mean, those that know me know I'm a big Kovacic fanboy, so I'd rather Kovacic plays over Mount in a 4-3-3. But, yeah, it's a very, very interesting discussion. Again, going back to the sort of lineup she was mentioned there or, or the positions in midfield, the three, I mean, if it is a 4-3-3, personally for me, I would have, I would have Kovacic, Kante and Havertz, but I'd have like I'd have sort of Kovacic obviously close to Kante because when I see this 4-3-3 us playing it, even with Kante, I see us getting like exposed quite a lot, you know, in transitions. That's what happens with Jorginho and also happens with Kante because when you play Mount, Kante, Havertz, I just feel like in the big games, Mount and Havertz are going to push too high and then we'll just it'll leave Kante isolated. So I think if you have Kovacic in there, it gives a small balance, um, you know, because he's not going to go as forward as much. And then that allows... Habits to go be the one who goes forward and creates and stuff. I don't want two sort of, I guess it's, yeah, it's two attacking eights, isn't it? We're in a 4 3 3. You know, I want a more balanced 4 3 3, is basically what I'm trying to explain here. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting going forward, but it's all open to discussion, really. There's so many different debates as to what we could or should do. And remember, guys, when I say Lampard is overly flexible and needs to stick to one system, that is true, but also. You can have, you know, I'm not going to be like super harsh on Lampard. You know, if there is a game where we need to play a five at the back or, or you know, a three at the back, technically a five at the back, so we have two wing backs. So if there is a game where we need to play that, then let's play that. You know, we have had some very, very good results with that. You know, Spurs away, I think Ajax away, we might have played it, not sure. There's been a few games where we've played three at the back um, and we've been very good. So it's not to say you can't be flexible, but for me, overly flexible at times. That's what I'd say. So, yeah, that's going to be that discussion over the 4-3-3 versus the 4-2-3-1. And, uh, yeah, again, leave us comments down below on what you think about that. Hey guys, and the last topic for the episode we're going to move on to is Declan Rice versus Ethan Ampadu next season. Now, this is hypothetically speaking, if Lampard does go to a 4-3-3 and he sets his eyes on Declan Rice. Now, the question is, do we need Declan Rice or do we need Ampadu? Who do you think is the better player? All that sort of thing. That's the whole debate here. For me personally, I'm going to expand on it more after my two people here have spoken, but I personally would like Ethan Ampadu back over Declan Rice. And 
yeah, oh, as I said, I'll expand it more in a minute, but let's start off with Frank first. What is your whole opinion on this Declan Rice versus Ethan Ampadu debate that's been going around for ages now? I think Declan Rice is a really good player, but the, my problem uh, with it is that £80 million pounds is a lot of money to pay for someone in that position. And we've got Ethan Ampadu, who I feel just needs a bit of minutes underneath his belt. And the other day, he played against Liverpool. He played really, really well. And I personally think that he could do just as good a job as Declan Rice. But obviously, as it's, he's on loan at the moment to Sheffield United, the more minutes he gets, the better he's going to get. And uh, I would stick with Ethan Ampadu. I mean, he's our player at the moment, so we don't have to pay any fee or anything. And the fact is, at the end of the day, you know, he's more than capable of doing exact same job that Declan Rice can do. I know it's going to upset a few people and I do like Declan Rice, but £80 million and West Ham don't look like they're going to let go of him. There's no point us even talking about him unless they're going to reduce their fee, but I would stick with Ethan Ampadu. We've got so many good players out on loan. You know, I want to give them a chance. I want them to have opportunities in the Chelsea team and Ethan deserves, you know, more than anyone else does. And the fact that he's flexible as well, he can play in central defence as well. He played against Spurs last year, obviously in the Champions League, played really well. You know, he had his injury problems last season. That's why, that's why we didn't see the best of him. But for me, I would give Ethan a chance. I like him. I, just like, I, just, I think he can do just as good a job as Declan Rice. Yeah, that's honestly nail on the head. I mean, yeah, I'm literally blown away. That's a great answer. Dubois, what do you think about this? Anything to expand on what Frank said? Yeah, see, um, with obviously, I think Frank said the nail on the head as well. I think you know many of the points he mentioned is is some is stuff I agree with. I think I'm perhaps more on the fence with this one. I'm not as clear cut with my decision on it being Ampadu. I think thing is with with Chelsea and Declan Rice. Obviously, I think you know he's obviously been admired by Lampard for a while now, and it's someone that you know I think you know Chelsea want to bring in. I think. As a player, Declan Rice, you know, I'm a very, very big fan of Declan Rice. Um, a bit, I made it quite clear as well on Twitter. I, I feel like Declan Rice has qualities that, for especially, you know, he's captained West Ham, 23 years old, I think he is. I think he gets underrated a little bit on the, on Twitter and, you know, in general. I think he's, you know, his defensive qualities, you know, he can play the centre-back as CDM. I think, obviously, Ampadu can as well. It's not to say Ampadu can't, though I think Ampadu's more secure in a three at the back, which Chelsea don't play as often. But I think, you know, his versatility, Declan Rice's, um, his leadership, which I think is the big one, you know, he's got qualities which I don't see much in, in midfielders at the moment. Um, so, you know... I'm a very, very big Declan Rice fan. And with Ampadu, you know, I see his qualities. I see where, you know, people come from and rate him highly. And I do as well. But if I was to decide on which one I'd prefer, I think I'd probably, Ampadu would probably just edge it based on the fact that Declan Rice would be, like Frank alluded to, I think £80 million has been quoted. So it's, it's a lot of money to spend on, on Declan Rice when we've got Ampadu, who has a potential to become a very, very good player. Um, and we've seen that, but I think there's a little bit more about Declan Rice in terms of his, you know, ability to play in a four at the back and equally as well as playing in midfield that, you know, I wouldn't, it could sway me, but I think it's just the price tag, really. If we can bring the price tag down, then, you know, perhaps I'd give it more consideration, but I'd just edge it for Ampadu, I reckon. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I'm not discrediting Rice at all. I mean, I do think he's a good player. I just I really want Ethan Ampadu to, su- to succeed at Chelsea. I mean, I've just got this like burning feeling in me that I know he will succeed if he gets these minutes next season. And you know, for me, when I'm like observed, like trying to, I don't know what's the word, trying to, you know, view this sort of debate, I sort of always come back to what the Rice fans say he can do, and then I compare it to what Ethan Ampadu can do. And as Frank said, they're very similar qualities. I mean, what Rice fans say is he can play centre back and DM. Okay, Ampadu can do that. Both very versatile. So that's kind of like a one one point to each. There, you've got. Rice fans who say he's pretty quick. I mean, Ampadu's pretty quick. Rice, good in 1v1 defending, both centre-back and DM. I mean, Ampadu, again, very, very good at 1v1 defending in both positions. And then, you know, you've got the ability to sniff out danger, which a lot of Rice fans tell me. I believe Ampadu can do that as well. And I think Ampadu's got a very, very high IQ, football IQ, especially on the pitch. You know, I just... I really believe in this kid. I know he can make it places and I just really don't want another story where Ampadu just succeeds and that's another bloody youngster that, you know, is off our books and it's just, you know what it is. You know how it's like. It's horrible feeling when one of our youngsters who we didn't give a proper chance to goes and smashes it somewhere else and some players I feel like that about and some players I don't and Ampadu is one of them that I do feel like that about. I really think he'll smash it somewhere else and, I just think now's his time, you know, maybe a few years ago or a couple of years ago, he wasn't quite matured yet, but with this Sheffield United loan, he's impressing me so much when he plays, especially, you know, I've always been impressed with him for Wales, but Sheffield United, when he's playing, is he's just brilliant. I think he's got a good manager there with Wilder as well. Very, very good tactical manager to learn from. So, yeah, I only see positives from Ethan Ampadu. Picking up on your one of your points, uh, Dubois, about Rice, I mean, the thing that I do agree with, he has got his leadership, maybe that Ampadu doesn't have just yet. So I guess that's one pro you could give to Rice. But then to sort of like counter that, I could say that, well, if Thiago Silva stays next year, then Ethan Ampadu comes into the team, learns leadership off him, you know, takes over that role. You know, he can turn into a leader in a year with Thiago Silva, no doubt about it. I think, could, I think Ampadu could turn into a very, very good leader in like a month with Thiago Silva. Like this guy, Thiago Silva is incredible what he's done in his career. Just the way he teaches players and everything, man, he's incredible. And, you know, he'll speak much better English next year as well. So it's not a case of misunderstanding, you know, there won't be any of that miscommunication, etc. And I think to wrap it off, the main thing for me is the 80 million price tag. If you get Rice down to like a 50 million, I still won't be happy because that means Ethan Ampadu probably won't be coming back to play DM or centre-back. You know, I just think 50 million is a much better price tag if we are going to do it than 80 million. 100%, like miles off, miles, miles, miles better than 80 million. So I think I'll still be annoyed if it happens, but I can understand Rice for 50 million if we really want to. And it'll be another case of Frank Lampard being backed by the board. Um, So, yeah, I mean, let's see what happens to that. I could go on with this debate for literally forever, guys, but. It will go on forever if I go into our various, but we haven't got that time. So we're going to just pretty much wrap off this episode now. We've spoken about a lot of topics today with a match review and then ending up with an Ethan Ampadu versus Rice debate. So I hope you guys have enjoyed. We're going to say goodbye to Frank now. And also Frank's going to tell us a little bit about himself, what he does, and also where you can find him on social media. If you don't know him already, I'm pretty sure most of you will know 
who he is already. But if you don't, Frank's going to plug his socials. So go ahead with your talk, Frank. Love to hear it. Let's go. No problem. Okay. Um, well, my name is Frank Khalid, and um, I own several businesses. Uh, my main business is Cash and K. I also own a restaurant and also a film studios. But I'm involved in football. I do own a football agency uh, called Touch Sky Group. And uh, on top of that, I also um, am partners with Mark Wahlberg, the Hollywood actor. I sell a water. So that's my business side of it. But obviously, football-wise, I've been supporting Chelsea since 1976. So it's been a good long time. Um, and um, on my social media, obviously, I've, uh, I'm, on I'm in uh, Twitter. My handle is Frank Khaled UK, as is my Instagram, and as is... Um, Majority of my accounts are all that, but uh, yeah, YouTube is something I've also started to work on a little bit. So my YouTube channel is also Frank Howard UK. So guys, if you can subscribe, like, and uh, comment on it, I'll appreciate it. But yeah, thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to be on your third podcast. I've really enjoyed it, and I wish you all the success. And uh, and I've really enjoyed it, and I'm pretty every, I'm pretty sure everyone else will enjoy listening to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I think. Um... Uh, what we'll do as well, we'll put uh, Frank's, all his handles, social media handles in the description. So make thank sure you check that out. And um, I think, again, we want to give him another massive thank you for coming on as well, because our first uh, guest and Pice and myself obviously invested a lot of time into this. Um, and we're looking, you know, to, you know, start the journey and, you know, who better to start with than Frank. Um, so unless, Pice, you have anything else to add, I think we should call this the end of the first episode. Yeah, I mean, just again to reiterate, guys, when he does say like, subscribe to my YouTube, please make sure you go and do it. I mean, honestly, this guy's been so helpful to me personally on my Twitter platform with posts and stuff, just retweets, likes, you know, comments, anything. He's so, so helpful. So go and interact with him, guys. Very, very nice guy. One of the most well-respected accounts in the Chelsea community. So, yeah, as Dubois said, go and check Frank out. And especially this episode, I hope you have enjoyed it. It's our first ever one, so don't be too harsh on us, but we'll have more guests coming. I'm very, very excited for this journey. Hopefully, you know, well, not hopefully, we are going to improve every episode and get better. So, yeah, from me and Dubois, it's thank you for watching and thank you again for Frank, to thank Frank you. for coming on. Thanks, guys.